going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to be. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Uh, hello, welcome to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And by design, I like going under the radar. I don't know, so I'm in one of those moods that might be a bit entitled. Oh, and by the way, 84 is in the studio. What's up, man? Man, what's going on, Joseph? And I'm not talking about any shows like here. On News Talk, I think everybody works hard and they deserve what they get. Baron, Dan, Greg, Emily, Jay, of course, the adorable Rich Thomas. I'm not talking about local radio, the place we work. Sometimes I see, like, say, podcasts online. Like, they have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not a million listeners. I go, people listen to that crap? Really? Really? Man, that this this is leading to directly into the question I had for you yes. tonight. Keep going. See, but have your rant and and yeah. do your monologue. Well, no, but and really, I I have to step back, reflect, look in the mirror, and say this is just me being resentful, jealous. Why do these other people have it made while I'm sitting here grinding out and struggling? It's just a little woe is me pity party moment. And so then I feel bad about the pity party. And I get mad at myself. So, I, you know, we've, life is good. Things are good. I shouldn't feel that way. But sometimes I see stuff online. I'm like, really? Really? Anyway, we are continuing the saga. Yeah, you're like, that dude is making money putting mm-hmm. this crap out. Mm-hmm. And I'm really good and at the, what I do. And what I'm realizing is... It's just little things, and this is what I've always been terrible at. I've been irresponsible when it comes to the little things, like set up a damn website, have a system where you can upload things across multiple platforms. Like, and it's just, I don't take the time. I get too focused on the talking aspect well, of that. Well, you know, there's the old saying, penny wise and pound foolish. Mm-hmm. Are you pound wise and penny foolish? I'm not sure what that means. It, penny wise, pound foolish means you're you're good with the very tiny little things, mm. but you kind of ignore the bigger things. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I pay attention to the big things, the big questions, all these sort of things. But I'm terrible when it comes to the little things. And and that's I've never heard pound wise, penny foolish. I I just made that up right, right this second. But you can you can be. You know, it can be the opposite where you're you're just, you know, you're focused on only the big things and you let the little things just run by you. That is a major. And flaw. you're like, ah, that's well, one of that my matter. I'll file my taxes next week. Yep. Next week, one well, of my major crap. Flaws. You know, I it's April fifteenth. I'll, I'll file an extension yep. and and uh, that's what I do. I'm right. very penny foolish. Yeah, I'm I'm penny foolish as well. I consider it a flaw and something I need to work on. It is, it is a flaw. 
I mean, yeah. it really is. It is. And it's like, I'm happy to admit it. Well, I'm not happy. I'm willing to admit it. There I'm you more go. frustrated by it. Mm-hmm. Um, something, like I said, I need to work on. But, uh, yeah, we've been doing this for, I don't know which one this is. But you come on air with me. And I love it when you're here on the round table, but I really enjoy it when you're here by yourself. And because you always present me with some question that I have not vetted. I have no idea what you're about to ask me. And then we try to hash this thing out. I, I think this is the second time I've been on here. Yeah, just the second? <laughs> right. Man, that's what happened to all the other times in between. I, I, I don't know. They, they disappeared. I, I'm getting old. I forget a lot of stuff. But no, I do have a great question you for do? you. Okay. Yeah, because I, 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 I've been thinking about something. Because you actually introduced this theory or made me think about this. Okay. And that's what I love about your show. Yeah, that's you, what I should You for. bring up questions or you talk about things that at least make me think. Mm-hmm. Use my head and not just knee-jerk reaction. Oh, he's, he's crazy as hell. No, I, I try not to do that. Sometimes and, I am a little crazy. But well, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, sometimes you are. I like and to open up the conversation, though, and get people thinking about it. And, and yeah. that's a valid point, because sometimes I go through and I think about it, and I go, no, he is crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, that's be. exactly what the deal is. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. But I was thinking today, for some reason, uh, you brought something to my mind about Millennials, mm-hmm. because we're we love to talk about all oh, the millennials. They're crazy. Sure. They don't know how to do this. They don't know how to do that. Millennials can't do anything. Millennials are ruining the country. They're penny foolish, and oh, they're penny and pound foolish. I mean, they're just they're terrible human beings. They're they're god awful. And I remember you saying one night you said, "Who raised the millennials?" Sure. And that puts the weight directly back on because now my oldest child's not quite a millennial, but pretty daggone close. She's 20 years old, so not far from it. And it, it put the weight back on me, and I'm like, it made me start thinking it's not the children's fault because, you know, Joey, children are going to go as far as they can go. Yes. If you say you cannot leave the yard, they're going to go right to the edge of the yard and put one foot over mm-hmm. the edge of the yard. That's what children do. And they're testing the parents to see, did you really mean I can't go out of the yard or were you just kind of suggesting that? And I do think it's the millennials. Now, they may be the symptom of the problem, mm-hmm. but I think the problem, and I want your input on this, I, the symptom is the millennials. The problem is the way that the last, I guess, Generation X, is that what I would be? Yeah, I think you're a Gen Xer. Yeah, something like that. Right after the boomers. You know, born in the 70s. I mean, I'm I'm definitely not a boomer, but I think more of the guilt should be laid at the feet of the parents of why. Because 
I feel like I know you well enough. You are a very responsible human being. You, you're penny res- foolish. You're responsible enough. You come to work every single day. Yes, I'm never late. I some days I'm a little tardy, but I never miss a show. I do always pay my bills. I can't fathom the idea of not paying a bill and, and putting it off. You don't take vacation. I don't take vacation. You don't, and, and I'm not just up here bragging on you. I'm just telling you yeah. what I have observed over the right. last three, four years. You don't take vacation. You come to work every day. You're very good at what you do. Well, thank you. And you were responsible enough that, you know, you rent your own house. You're not like dude that's living in his parents' sure. basement that has to get kicked out. True. Man, that story just drove me crazy. But you you were that responsible. What gave you that? I mean, is is... Is that an internal desire, or no. is that something that you were taught? <laughs> no, these are things I, I think I was taught and developed. Uh, those sorts of things, and I, I think I have a pretty well developed conscience in the sense of when nobody's watching, are you going to do the wrong thing? My conscience—it's not really a voice in my head; it's more a feeling. That's character. Well, Char- right. character is what you do when nobody's watching. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is yeah. that I. I think I have a pretty well-developed sense of that. Like, I feel guilty. I guilt myself. I shame myself. I'm, I'm very hard on myself. And some of that, I think, is genetic. It runs especially on my mom's side of the family, at least just speaking about my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never good enough. That's the bad side of it. When you're such a perfectionist, it's never good enough. Yeah. Uh, so you're never happy because you're always disappointed. I, I know a lot of folks on my mom's side of the family that are like that. Great, phenomenal people who I think taught me these things that you're talking about. Same with my my father. He's a workaholic. If one thing, he always felt this drive to make money, make money, make money, even when he hated it. Even when he hated the travel, knew it was ruining some of his relationships. He wasn't getting to see us as much. I'm sure it put strain on the marriage, being gone for so long, but he felt the need. And once he figured out a lane where he could make a lot of money, I'm going to do it, even though I'm miserable doing it. And I think I got some of that from him, is do the job, do the job, do the job. I will say that I tend towards sloth. I want to be lazy. And I also, another added thing, and I think this is a flaw, I've been looking, like the thing I was just saying, starting off the show, like, why are those people successful and I'm not? I've been waiting for somebody different than me to come, like, when's my agent going to show up? When am I going to get a manager? These sort of things. Which can happen in life, but especially in this new modern world, you have to learn every aspect of a business. And if you want to get a footprint online, you need to learn almost every aspect of it. And know how to do it yourself. If you reach a certain level of success, you can farm it out. But you need to know almost everything and be penny wise. Know all the little steps. And that is something I'm just not good at. For sometimes I, I'll give you an example. Seven, so you, you're talking about like the whole concept because a business is more than ideas and ability. It also has applying it an, an <laughs> in econ- a practical, economic, sensible way. That's yes. right. You, you've got to know how much to charge for this service or what have you, and what am I worth? And but deciding. One of, my, one of my major character flaws is because I think about the big things so much. I sometimes get in this funk. 
where I said, what difference does it make? I'll give you an example. Seventh grade, I think, we're taking some aptitude test. And just in the middle of the test, it wasn't like a big ACT test or whatever. It wasn't like one of these major ones. And at that point, I'd never, I've always gotten A's. I remember sitting in the class going, this stupid test. Another test where I have to fill in stupid bubbles. What difference is this going to make a few years from now? So I just did the thing where you, like, draw pictures with the bubble filling in. (laughs) And, like, they said, Joey, this isn't like you. You failed it. Like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, it's stupid. It's boring. Plus, I don't feel like I should give you the pleasure of understanding my aptitude. Like, it was a weird place I was in. But that started in seventh grade. I think there's, and a big problem I'm struggling with, there's this thing in me where I'm, I'm constantly fighting what's self-directed. Are you allowed to go out there and do things yourself, break the rules or make the rules? Or are you being a good little boy? or a good grown man, a good proper citizen, by jumping through all the proper hoops everybody wants you to jump through. Mm, That's a good point. Now, And this is a weird thing to share, but at this point I'm like, what the hell? College. First time I ever tried mushrooms. Mm. Psilocybin mushrooms. It came in a little chocolate, looked like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Just a little chocolate, had the mushrooms in there. Took it. I think the first hour or so, it was remarkable. I was playing Guitar Hero. Show me the way. Peter Frampton. I had a perfect score on that. Did you have a little tube and you were No, I didn't I didn't do the talk box that. with guitar. It's Guitar Hero, but <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm, no, but it does the, the drug ups your focus and I got like a perfect score on it. And anybody who's ever taken psilocybin and mushrooms knows when you change rooms or change scenery it's like you're going into a whole new world so i am victorious on top of the world i just got a perfect score peter frampton show me the way so i decide i'm gonna go outside out back where my two roommates are sitting looking at the stars giggling so i go outside i bum a cigarette and this is my point as i inhale on the cigarette I have this feeling like I'm on top of the world. The world is my canvas. If I put my mind to it, I can do anything I want to do. Within five seconds, we lived in this little cul-de-sac. A car pulls in. And as soon as I see the glare of the headlights hitting the houses, I can see from the side of the house. That feeling of being on top of the world, I can do anything, I'm this actualized, complete being who feels like an open, creative nerve, anything is possible, 84. Within two, three, four, five seconds, I go from that to, oh my God, am I breaking the rules? Oh no, are they going to catch us? It went from this place of, I feel like I can do anything, to... I'm in a cage, back to the restraints that... Euphoria to guilt. Yeah, well, but it wasn't... It was like either constraints parents put on you or society puts on you. Mm-hmm. All those things, now that I'm, you know, 10 years removed from that event. And that's a really cool thing about uh, 
psilocybin, and people think, oh, you're going to take it, and you're going to see things, man, you're going to laugh and feel euphoric and high. There is that, but it also does give you some pretty vivid psychological insights. And it's unlike anything else I've ever tried because I can remember everything vividly. It's not like getting drunk. It's not like smoking yeah. pot. It is, uh, it's a very unique drug, and I'm happy to see they're doing research at John Hopkins on how it can help people, uh, especially people with uh, certain forms of depression. Promising studies coming out of that. But it made me step back and realize, okay, what are the constraints that society puts on you that are worthwhile and actually are you constrained by society or some other authority figure or Joey is that really you putting constraints on you hmm for in, I'll give you another for instance that, like that's, that, that's a good that's a good question we, we've talked about because yeah. if if you're very honest about that question you really have to think about it because well, you would normally just knee jerk and, and answer and I, I don't I don't know I, I think it's something external it can be something than, more than society society where we live, where I grew up, I mean, down here in the South, in Montgomery, Alabama, I mean, there are certain things you're expected to do, you know, yada, yada, yada. But there are things, I think you asked me once before about if they legalize marijuana, would you try it? it? Yeah. And I said no, because I'm still affected by my mother asked me. And you promised her. And it, she didn't tell me, you can't do this, right. I'm going to disown you. She just simply asked me in a very genuine way, please don't ever do this to right. your body. Don't take any drug. And that's always affected me. Now, her brother, her brother died as, and he was on drugs. He died from cirrhosis of the liver when he was... 39 years because old. Because alcohol is a drug. I, well, it was it was not just alcohol. I mean, Uncle Edward was on all kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, the uh, and, and so I've got two things that are weighing on me. The societal norms mm -hmm. plus what I, you know, my mother asked me to do. And that's that's just a personal deal. It's not illegal. But, it's not against the law. It's just like don't drink a beer. But it, you find, and I've found in my own life, especially the older I get, um, the more confident I become in my perspective. Confident not in the sense of I'm certain I'm right, but confident in the sense of, well, oh, let's give it a try. Let's, let's give it a try. And so an example of when I thought it was some external societal constraint, you know, society's norms or keeping me down. Was what we've talked about on air. Me talking about how I find myself to be an atheist. And I've talked to believers like yourself, like mm -hmm. Baron. For the longest time, I felt like there's no way I could ever discuss this on air. Sure you can. But you can. Mm -hmm. And instead of me realizing, well, Joey, that's just a constraint you're putting on yourself. Because you're imagining what other people will think. It can be something as simple as social anxiety. Everybody feels like, ooh, do I look all right? Does my breath smell? And do I sound intelligent? All these worries, why people probably drink to lower those inhibitions. Right. But the secret, a big secret of life is 
almost everybody feels that way in one way or another. Yes, yes, we're all insecure. Insecure in one way or another. <laughs> At some point, we're all insecure, and we want affirmation. And especially, I think it's even more so... I, well, let me put it this way. I think there are two forms of affirmation. Hmm. I think I think men desire a female to say, you're a dude, you can protect me. Even if they don't know it, I think that's what they desire. You can protect me. You, you know, you're big and strong. Doesn't mean you have to be six foot five. But it doesn't have to be literal protection. No, it does not. It does not. It would be like, I, I feel secure because you have money and you can take care of my children and that sort of thing. That yeah. is exactly the same. And a woman wants to hear, I love you. Mm. I don't care. And uh, this is going to sound bad. You can gain 20 pounds. I don't care if you gain 20 pounds. I still love you. You can gain 50 pounds. You can go up to 250 pounds. I still love you because I love you. Women want to be loved. Men want to be affirmed for the job they're doing. Mm -hmm. You're providing for this family. That's the way God created man and woman. And Mm -hmm. this is where you and I will differ on this. God created man... To be, and and I don't go as far as a lot of people. He's a spiritual leader of the family. That's bullcrap. But he created man to physically take care of the family, and he created woman to to be the nurturer, take care of the children, raise the children, and take care of the household itself. And when you affirm your wife and say, you are a dynamite woman, thank you for cooking supper, thank you for... And, and that sounds, well, let for me, some reason, that sounds terrible now. I suppose it, it does, yeah. But I, I do, I appreciate, when I get home and my wife has cooked supper, I appreciate the fact that she has taken care of the kids. She teaches the kids. We homeschool. Hmm. She even teaches them. Until they get to the age where they can work, and my children go to work. Well, let me let me hash this out by asking you a question. You have both a son, you have daughters, three girls, and a boy. Have you noticed the difference when they say we're little and developing? I heard it said the other day that girls seem to be a little more intelligent early on. They're asking more questions early on. They're uh, they're more perceptive I, I, early on. Where guys, boys tend to be more I, linear. Like I, I'm doing the task. I, I think I think that is exactly right. I think girls, uh, and I, I really believe this has to do with hormones mm-hmm. because you can you can tell the day, and I, I won't say the phrase that I use. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's air friendly. Sure, but when they hit that point, Mm -hmm. you know the exact day that they hit it. Oh, really? And arguments come up about nonsensical things when they're first starting to feel all these. And it's, I mean, it's, it's not their fault. It's just, I mean, they've got all these emotions and hormones rushing through their bodies that have never been there before. But I have to play devil's advocate in a way here. I have to, 
Because there are, I think, aggressive, not very agreeable, domineering women who are that way. Okay. And I mean, they're I still wouldn't. biologically women, but and I then there are men. There are men who tend to be less aggressive, more agreeable, oh. nurturing. I mean, we're, we're we're talking in general categories. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, there's there there are asses on both sides, you know. And I, I I've said this in front of over a thousand people. When God was handing out emotions, it, before I was born, I I got in the women's line. I mean, I'm as I'm much more emotional than my wife is. We've been mm-hmm. married for twenty. Three years. We've been together for 24, almost 25 years now. She's cried three times in that whole period. Hmm. I cry every freaking day. Right. I mean, I'm, that's just how emotional I am. But I'm just, that's my personality. And and I'm fine with that. But, you know, I do think that girls mature much more quickly they learn faster, and boys are just trying to... James Dobson has one of the best quotes ever in the history of the world. He said, it's a miracle of God that any little boy grows up to be a man. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Lauren calls me one day and says, you're not going to believe what Coleman's doing. I was like, okay, what's he doing? He's in the top of the apple tree, which was only about 10, 12 foot tall. Sure. And he just jumps out and hits the ground. That was me with a magnolia tree. Yeah. And I said, I said, okay. <laughs> I said, did he break his arm or leg? She's she like, no. But she says, I asked him, why did you do that? And Coleman's answer was, I want to see what it felt like. See if I can do it. And... She was just freaked out, and I was like, okay, well, if he didn't break or hurt or injure anything, good job. <laughs> we used to jump off the top of the house, but my wife grew up with all girls. Mm-hmm. She had one sister. She lived right beside her first cousins. Her aunt and uncle was right beside them, all girls, and she had never been around a boy. And I said, that's what boys do, baby. They, Pretty they, much. I mean, it, it, to be coarse about it, you pull it out <laughs> to see who can pee the farthest. Yeah. I mean, that's what guys do. <laughs> and I, that is that is part of your DNA as a male. I really believe that, honestly, mm-hmm. is who's the biggest and the baddest? It's who's the alpha? Oh, I think... I think DNA is part of it. When we started this conversation, we got to hit a break uh, about millennials and who's to blame for the current state of millennials. I mean, my first take is those to label a whole generation, whether you're talking about Gen X or Boomer. Oh, that's or, not fair. It's it's absurd. There's all sorts sure. of diversity and difference within the generation. Um, I think one thing that's happening though is. It's not that the generations change or is that different. It's that the world is changing at such a rapid pace, number one, that when you're growing up now, you can be influenced and shaped as a person by things beyond just your immediate peer group, your family. 
And, you know, even going back decades, there was mass media with television, with movies, books played a role in that. But it wasn't an everyday thing, a very conversational thing. Whereas today you can with social media, with all sorts of news things, constant bombardment of information, different perspectives, often perspectives that you don't get a whole picture of where other people are coming from. You're just getting bits and pieces. And I think there is also... Um, just some economic lies that lies maybe are the wrong way to put it fallacies that just incorrect things like everybody go to college and once you go to college and get the degree you can get the great job and everything will work out jump through all these hoops and life will be awesome no negative ghost rider yeah I, that's what at least folks my age were told. Now, there are folks who went to college and they did get great jobs. Sure. There are folks who went to college and right into the crapper. There wasn't much of a job market. Some of that is proportional to how hard you worked and and how ingenious you were. Folks like me that went to college for two years and decided, I don't want to do this crap. Mm -hmm. I want to do something different. And oh, you must have been been a dumb troublemaker. Oh, I am. I'm a dumbass, remember? (laughs) I'm just a dumbass. we got to hit a break. We'll come back. We'll continue this My collar's blue, Joey. You got any more questions <laughs> for me? No, I won't. I, won't, I don't think we ever answered the initial question. We'll get back to it then after this quick break. Welcome back. So what was this question? I, I, I thought you were going to play uh, Just You and I. Just You and I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know my uncle wrote that song. Really? Yeah. Are you sure you're not telling Tall Tale? Uh, no, I, I'm not. He, t- he Chris, wrote it. Crystal Gale and Eddie Rabbit sang it. Well, you should have told me to play it. Well, I, I thought you were going to play it. Wait, a rabbit you... sang it? Eddie Rabbit. Who's Eddie Rabbit? Eddie Rabbit was freaking dynamite. I've seen the gold record is hanging on Uncle Frank's wall, man. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I can't believe you don't know that song. No, I don't know that one. I but might no, know no, it, but I don't know by the name. By the, the, the crux of the question, it wasn't uh, just the question itself. It was what is different because there is a difference. And I've mentioned this before, and I'm being serious about this. There's a difference in you, Joey Clark, 29-year-old, mm-hmm. and most other 29-year-olds. We jokingly talked about the guy that his parents had to evict him right. from their own See, house. I don't think that... I Well, maybe this is and wishful thinking on my part. I don't think that guy actually it's represents... It's not the norm. Right. It's not the norm. There's something that seems off about that guy. But I will tell you this. I have employed enough people okay. that don't even have physical skills because I do like mechanical-style work. You dig holes, you dig ditches, you, and we had a guy comes in to work. You know what post hole diggers yeah, are? Yeah, I've done that before. Okay, 
you know, you, you stab down. It's a hell of a manual yeah, but, work. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's not fun at all. Pull up those arms, baby. But d- did you know how to punch them down into the earth yeah, and punch pinch them down, together? Squeeze it and pull up. It's this, pretty, pretty simple. <laughs> this dude had them both handles in one hand or both hands and was trying to scoop dirt out and make a hole with them. What? And I'm thinking... Why don't you just get a normal shovel? If that's how you're going to do it. We had another guy that came to work for us and said, dig a trench 18 inches deep, you know, from point A to point B. Okay. And... How wide? Like a he foot He takes... It, 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 that's beside the point. It's 18 just inches dig, deep. Yeah, just dig from here to there. He takes a shovel, pokes it in the ground, picks the dirt up, and chunks it over his back. Like a freaking cartoon. Like, you know... Right, you, no, you probably want to put the dirt not, to the no, side. That's right. Yeah. Punch the shovel in the ground. So you have a nice little pile. Just lay it on the ground yeah. beside it and, and make your trip. Keep going, yeah. You have to teach people this these days. Well, I think what you're asking there is there just and some, these there are some people, dumb people out there. It, well, it's not just some, though. There's an exorbitant amount of them in your age group, right? I mean, right below me. In I think some of it is like no experience, like just I've never done, I've never done a fence post. Whose fault is that? I think that could be parents. That's the daggone parents' fault, and that's what I have gotten focused on because my children, my daughter. Uh, Savannah, and I know I, I sit in here and I talk and I brag like I'm the perfect parent, which <laughs> I am definitely not. I can guarantee you I'm not. But Savannah turned 14 like seven days ago, and she calls me this morning and she says, have you called Mr. So-and-so so I can get a job? Because this country is so wonderful that you can't legally work until you're 14 years old. Right. You can't, unless you're farming, you can't do jack squat, which is absolutely ridiculous. It is. And I talked to this man, and I'm like, because my other daughter had left there to get another job, who is only 16. She got another job paying more money. And He's like, as soon as your next one turns 14, send her out here. I said, well, I can send her right now. He's like, I can't hire her till she's 14. What the hell? Right. Oh, I, I think mean, there's why some not? Of that. No, I think there's definitely some of that where it, it sometimes gets construed as though you're, you're working the kids. Why are you robbing them of their childhood? What? Sitting around looking at damn veggie games? Exactly. And- Getting that's freaking, childhood. My damn uh, chiropractor said that he has children coming in with neck problems because they're staring down at their dadgum phones yes. all day, yeah. and it's screwing their, uh, you know, neck and C seven and all up. See, I I from think doing that for me, and I'm just I can only speak for myself because I don't have kids. I don't like to speak about other people my age because there's all sorts of reasons why somebody might be struggling. There is just being stupid, not having experience, being lazy. All those things are out there. 
And I've certainly been lazy at times in my life. But I think in my case, there was almost too much structure. A lot of great experience from a diverse group of people in my family, aunts, uncles, mom and dad, grandparents on both sides. A lot of stuff I wouldn't trade for the world. But then sometimes I think there was too much structure where it's like stay in your lane, follow the rules, jump through the hoops, and things will work out. No, no, they won't. They might work out, or they may not, number one. And I think what I am working towards and trying to develop the most for me is being more and more self-directed. Pursuing the things I find meaningful, that I'm passionate about, and then discovering, oh, that guy is really passionate about that thing I've never thought of. Why is he that passionate? Oh, let me ask him about it. And maybe I'll become passionate about it. And then there are some things where I won't. But learning my own passions, my own self-directed way, where I start to make my own rules, because societal constraints, rules parents put on, should should be rules that are practically effective. They're there for a reason because they help us to become better people and to flourish and thrive yeah, in life. Should is the key. But word. then there are th- such a thing as arbitrary rules that are power plays that you know I'm just because I said so or because I'm aggravated right That's now. Right. Shut up! I've got a migraine headache. I drank too much last night, kid. Because is not a yeah. reason. It's like the what we've talked about. Don't touch the oven. It's going to burn you. Right. You need to wow. understand the burning part of that. That's not because right. daddy said at, so. At, at some point, yes. you've got to realize that fence is going so, to shock you if you touch it. So what I'm trying to develop is what are the rules I need to adopt? Because there have been plenty of people living and dying in this world for thousands of years. Rules that I need to adopt from others that I think are sound, wise rules. And then at the end of the day... No matter whether you're a believer or not a believer, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, whatever it is your persuasion, when it comes down to big decisions in life, it's up to you. Up to you. It's one of my favorite things. It's a famous thing from Jean-Paul Sartre, French existentialist atheist philosopher. I mean, there's a lot of stuff he writes about that's just, it's too much. It's over the top. And some of it I don't agree with at all. But he he paints this one scene of a young man in France when World War II breaks out. The Nazis invade Poland. And all the young men in the country are joining the army. Joining the military to take on this big threat to the nation. But he also knows that his mother is very, very sick. Not just physically weak and feeble, but she's mentally not all there. And he knows that if he leaves her alone, because he's her caretaker, that she'll probably die and go insane. Insane and die. Be nice if you could die before you go insane. Doesn't always work that way. I don't know. But he goes to his, his advisor, his professor in school. He goes to the local priest. He talks to his buddies. And he realizes they can tell me and give me plenty of advice and I can listen to it till I'm blue in the face. But at the end of the day, you're the one who has to make the decision. And you're the one who picks out what experts to listen to. There's something about, and I think the most successful people in life are like this. Sometimes it's natural. It's kind of given. But 
people who are usually successful are either natural or they develop this sense of judgment in the moment. And they have the courage to carry it out. Even with, it's like Coleman jumping out of the apple tree. It's like, you might break your leg, but it's worth it. I want to see what it feels like. I think successful people are willing, no matter what the rest of the world is saying or what their trusted people are saying, it's their decision at the end of the day. And that's what I'm trying to develop in myself. I think I hesitate. It reminds me of football. I was brought in, started my senior year. Tim Trokey, our head coach. Joey, what do you think is your number one problem? And without missing a beat, I go, I hesitate. I'm a, there's a tiny bit of fear there to like just go full out. Mm-hmm. And I got rid of it by the end of the year. Remember this one moment where I clotheslined this kid. They ran an out route. I'm playing cornerback. I can see the pass is coming. I can't. I don't have the angle to pick it off, but I can see. Oh, and I I don't in, intend to, but I took the kid's head off. I clotheslined him with the shoulder pad. He flipped, dropped the ball, and Trokey looked at me. He was like, yeah! And it was like, oh, I didn't hesitate. And that felt good that I didn't hesitate. Yeah, you just reacted. And I wish life was as simple as some guy's running an out route, let's knock him on his ass. That's not how life is. So in more complicated things like making more money, being more successful, getting my voice to more ears, but also finding more voices that can inform me and continue to help me learn and grow, I can't hesitate. That's, again, not as simple as, we'll just hit the guy. Um, And that's what I'm really working on because I think that is a big, secret to life is being able to be your own judge wait you you have to is is what i would say and i and i'm 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 not perfect i've done pretty well is yeah yeah i mean you just have to kind of you have to take a chance because nothing is guaranteed when i i work for the board education (laughs) i went to work for them in 1995 and when i left i had people tell me and these were so-called one of them was a so-called preacher mm-hmm. a spiritual man supposedly yes. a man of god ordained by god to be a minister and he said you have lost your mind leaving here do you know how much security you have with the board of education mm-hmm. and i just looked at him and i laughed <laughs> i mean I, I honestly laughed i said your security <laughs> is bound up in the state of alabama Right, and not just government in general, but the state of Alabama. You think they're going to take care of you for the rest of your life? And I, I honestly laughed at him. I said, "Man, I said, what purpose is it for me to be miserable for the next seventeen years and then retire? Sure, maybe they'll, maybe, maybe they'll have some money that yeah. they can pay me. If not." I mean, there's nothing saying they can't take it away from me. I'm like, dude. Well, and and I, I would. What the you hell? can't look to others to save you. It's you a nice have surprise to take a when chance. It, it's a nice surprise when others help you. It is. It's a. It is a blessing. I'll use that word unironically. I think it's a blessing when other people sincerely help you out out of the goodness. Sure. Of but you have to take it on yourself. Like what I said at the beginning of the show, when I see other people that are successful and I get that you know little moment of envy or jealousy, like, why are they doing so well? And I'm sitting here no, you should get spinning that. my wheels. No, but, and, but it can be a very positive emotion. Yes. If I look and go, 
mm, I don't want exactly what they want have. I want my own version of that. And the reason I don't have it is because something I have yet to do. And that's what you have to do. You have to look internally and say, I want to be like him. I got to take responsibility in some way. Yes. That I'm not doing. Now, but there's another response to that emotion. Of blaming that successful person. And or blaming society or blaming God or whatever it And is. that's the fault that goes back to the original question. Why are you successful and so many other 30-year-olds are not? And that's what people think about is... And I, I, I guess it does. Maybe it comes straight down to jealousy is you're just jealous of other people I think that do succeed. I don't think that not it, you personally. But I don't think envy and jealousy is actually what defines my generation. If I could try to speak in those grand terms. I think most people these days, the reason they aren't going for it and taking responsibility for their life is because they're bored, overstimulated, and the world is easy. Modern living is easy. But then... Once you realize all my needs, basic ones are met, then a real challenge hits you that's psychological, that's spiritual, like deep, profound sufferings that you have to face down. And instead of actually taking responsibility and striving for something, having a heavy burden lift, you go, hmm, I'm going to go back to that boredom and the things that just kind of shut my senses off or please them. I think boredom is actually the emotion most people in my generation feel. And the parents are the enablers. Mm-hmm. And there's one word, and I have I have figured this out. This is one thing, Joey Clark, that I have figured out. Responsibility. Yes. That's what children as a whole, I mean, even my kids down to this generation, they have absolutely no responsibility mom and daddy wash the dishes they clean the house you got a maid that cleans the house whatever your situation is kids go to high school well, uh, and they go to college everything's paid it's all for. set up but then another dirty little secret you buy them a car and and i have taught my children responsibility Sarah wanted a car. I said, go get a job. I think another... Earn some money. Another dirty little secret, though, is that, say you do take responsibility, and you're starting to find success. People, because you're doing that, will take that emotion I felt and try to tear you down. Sure. And people are jealous. Yeah. Including, and this might be a little controversial, the people who are complaining to heaven and hell, why aren't the kids taking responsibility? As soon as those kids start to take responsibility and say start to compete, I wonder how those people feel about it when they don't win. Well, because you're just a kid. You don't know what you're talking I, that's about. That's a new, that's a whole other thing. We, and we're out of time, but that's a whole, a, child, to, Joey. a whole other angle. There's a whole other angle to this. They want to look at you and go, you're just still just a kid. You don't know. <laughs> Even another, though you do know. Is this another two-part show? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Well, thank you for joining me. This was fun. You get me going, man, in a good way. Not in that way, but you know what I mean. I try my best. You tickle my mind. When I was doing the Raging Tiger over there earlier. No, that was just a twisting lunch. (laughs) 
Joey Clark.